Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a Catholic uh, program for Catholic men by Catholic men. Of course, we welcome all men to this program. My name is Matt Palmer. I'm with Catholic Men's Ministry here in the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. Devin, how are you, brother? Hey, good, Matt. Good to be with you. Always good to be with you. And um, this program's in cooperation with St. Gabriel Radio here in the state of Ohio. St. Gabriel Radio is such a blessing and resource uh, to all of us here, so thanks to St. Gabriel and our special guest today, Pat Foley. I'm really excited, uh, men that are listening in today. I think this is a moment that God has called you to be a part of this program and to listen in and kind of join us in reflecting on uh, what Pat will be sharing about his life. Uh, and so, Pat, welcome. We're glad to have you. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. It's really good to have you. And Devin, before we get started and chatting with Pat, would you just open us in prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, please send forth your Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are no cowardly spirit. You are not a timid spirit. You are a spirit of strength, courage, bravery. Help us to be like John the Baptist. Help us to be lamps that point to the light, to be voices that point to the Word, to be Christians who point to Christ and help us to be willing to love God, love you above ourselves, um, so that we may shine and manifest your glory, Lord, and that many souls may be one. Please be with us right now. Pour forth your Spirit into us, and help us to know the next steps that you have for our life. We ask this, of course, in your Son's most holy, powerful name, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Mama Mary and St. Joseph. Pray for, Pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Devin. Well, Pat, I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. Um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background. Man, this is a, 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 a man about to turn 30, and uh, I'm kind of excited because I think the young church, and there's a lot of young men living our faith, uh, fully alive in the faith, and uh, Pat's one of them. So, um, enjoy as we kind of get to know Pat here in the, the first part of the program. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Where to start, right? I mean, that's the... <laughs> Go back a little bit. I'd love to. I'd love for um, our listeners to hear about kind of family life growing up and um, siblings and parents, just a, you know, the, a big family, and just tell us a little bit about your childhood. That'll, that'll help yeah. set us up for the rest of the discussion. Absolutely. That's uh, obviously the biggest, biggest thing in your life, right, is the, how you're raised. And I'm beyond blessed to to have two incredible Catholic parents, uh, my mom and dad, uh, just incredible. Um, they were open to life and had eight kids. So I'm the second of second of eight with six boys and two girls. Uh, my mom early on, I think she had my older brother went to OLPH for grade school his first year. And then after that, my mom made the decision to homeschool. So we were raised and educated at home. My mom tried, and you know, early on in those days, homeschooling wasn't really what it is now. It was, it was very, very new. The people who got her into homeschooling were, you know, homeschooling when it was still illegal. And, you know, it's, it's early on, they're just figuring things out. So my mom, pretty much every year was different. We were always trying a new program or learning a different thing. But early on, I guess, getting into the, the faith side, uh, my mom had us, teach, had us learning Latin and classics and it 
So I, I became very interested in the Latin language early on, and ultimately we discovered the Latin Mass at Holy Family. So that's another big, big influence in my childhood and my faith formation. Uh, first and foremost, my parents, but then discovering the Latin Mass and getting to know all these young priests and seminarians who were attracted to this this classical, you know, traditional liturgy and this expression of our faith that's so focused on on beauty and on God and contemplation. So obviously the education, but then, then the faith. So that was the, uh, I guess the foundation of my spiritual life was, was the liturgy and learning more and more about that and diving deeper. Uh, so, and then how about like high school and, and on kind of pick up in your high school years and kind of move us through that stage and into your early twenties. Yeah. So high school, I guess when I was 16, I was still involved in, you know, the parish, the youth group, stuff like that. And I met my wife through a homeschool program. Uh, we dated for about two years before uh, my senior year and then going into college. And growing up, I was always, you know, very much the pious kid. People thought I was, you know, knew the Latin responses very quickly. You know, a lot of the the intellectual side of the faith came very naturally to me. So people always said, oh, you should be a priest. You should be a priest, you know, or have you ever thought about that? And I made the decision when I was, I think, 19. The first semester, I started off at Ohio Dominican my freshman year in college, but ultimately made the decision, you know, through prayer, through God's plan, like, if this is something I need to do, if people think that I may be called to the priesthood, then I owe it to God to, to discern that. Cause I know, you know, I knew before I dated my wife, just from, just from seeing her, you know, she was the oldest of 10 kids too. And her mom actually was a choir member at St. Pat's. So her dad brought her over and her family over to the Latin mass, but her mom was still at St. Patrick. So she was basically the mom and the way she, she cared for her kids, the way she, or her, her siblings or essentially her kids, she was like a second mom and the way she, she cared for them and the spirit and the love that she had, you know, was so visible. And I knew, you know, before we even started dating, like she would be an incredible wife and mother. Like I had no question in my mind uh, that intellectually I knew she could be my wife. And obviously we dated for two years and, you know, fell in love. So I knew if we went forward, we would end up getting married. But I still had in the back of my mind that sense that, you know, maybe I, I do owe it to God. If this is a higher call, if this is something that I could do. Uh, then I owe it to God to discern that. And I guess the other, the piece of that that played into my desire for the priesthood was, was I was, you know, the liturgy was my passion. I loved, I loved the Mass. I loved serving Mass. And I didn't really have any sense of what I wanted to do professionally. I had no idea. You know, people talk about finding your passion. My wife from an early age knew she wanted to be a nurse. So she had that, that desire, that calling early on, I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. The The liturgy and my faith was what I was most passionate about. So I thought, well, if that's the case, I don't really know what I'm going to do to provide for a family. And I was like, no, nope, I'll, I'll give this a shot. You know, it's as, as hard as it is to make that decision, I owe it to God to actually discern. And I can't actively discern if I'm in a relationship that's, you know, leading towards marriage. So broke it off and finished my freshman year. And then after that year of college, I had been visiting a friend of mine who had been a seminarian for the Diocese of Columbus and then the Our Lady of Guadalupe Seminary with the Fraternity of St. Peter's. But he and a couple other young men were asked by a bishop up in Detroit 
to start a new religious community for Detroit. And I had visited them a couple times, you know, felt this overwhelming sense of peace that, you know, living this liturgical life, you know, a semi-contemplative, you know, monastic existence, you know, praying the divine office, attending mass every day was something that gave me this overwhelming sense of peace and joy. And, and I was like, well, I'm going to finish college first. I have two more years because I had gotten a lot of college credit out of the way. So I only had three years I needed to do of college. Um, but one of the men who was there was like, you know, this is a new group. If you have any, any sense that you want to do this, do it now, you know, don't, don't wait two years for, to finish college. You can always go back to college, but this group may or may not be here. So ultimately after a lot of, a lot of prayer and a lot of, you know, anxiousness in that decision, I decided to, to take the plunge and went up to Detroit to join these three other young men who were trying to give their lives to God and, you know, start a new religious order and, and ultimately no one wants to do that, but the bishop had asked and they're like, you know, if this is something that is of God, if we're being called to do this, then we have to, we have to give it a shot. So going into that, very, very excited, had that overwhelming sense of peace. The day I got there, I realized one of the young men, you know, who I was excited, who I didn't know as well as the other two, but was very excited to get to know had left already. <laughs> so he, he left. And then within a month, the second of the, the the founders basically had a nervous breakdown and went home to recover and never came back. So it was basically me and the founder, Brother Michael, for 10 months out of the, the year that my novitiate lasted. And I was also living in Detroit, Michigan, you know, a block, you know, a few blocks from eight mile. And we literally drove down eight mile you know, every day to go to daily mass at this, you know, fort, they, they call it Fortress Grotto, but this is beautiful church with a cemetery, uh, right off of Gratiot Avenue and, you know, the heart of Detroit. But so it was, it was an interesting experience, but ultimately that sense of peace that I had going into it was immediately stripped away. And it was basically desolation and depression, like the whole year. And, and that was, it was an incredible experience. And I, you know, being formed in the liturgy and kind of enduring that that challenge, you know, and this thing that, you know, I, I set out to do, but was not what I expected at all was a challenging, you know, discernment environment. And ultimately, you know, made the decision, you know, through spiritual direction and prayer that, you know, this isn't necessarily for me, you know, I'm not, I, I thought I was discerning the priesthood and this became not the priesthood, but discerning religious life and not only discerning whether I'm called to religious life, but discerning, you know, what is the call and vocation of this community? Is this community called to continue? Is this of God or not? And our founder essentially asked me, you know, it's like, if you think this is God or this is of God, you should set aside your personal discernment, you know, and focus on this and, you know, give it another year or whatever it is, you know, praise God. Another young man came and joined, you know, about a month before I left and before my novitiate was up. So it did continue and it's still going, you know, six years six plus years later. So I, I do feel, you know, God's hand in that time. And I think that that experience being rooted in the liturgy and praying the Psalms every day, you know, over and over again, it does form your life. So you mentioned the liturgy, the hours and praying the liturgy hours is just such an incredible way to, you know, form your mind through, through the words, but with chanting the office, it's not only the words, but the melodies, right? And when you, when you hear a song, the melody sticks in your head almost more than the, the words do. And to have that melody and those words constantly running through your head, you know, as monks, they're chanting in this beautiful, ancient, 
in these beautiful ancient tones, you know, the Psalms of David every single day. And and what a gift that is. And that and that stayed with me. And there were certain Psalms, you know, certain words, you know, that just stayed with you and it forms your worldview, forms your way of looking at the world. And that was, you know, so that's the biggest takeaway from that experience that I had. Um, so fast forward a couple of years later, finished college, get married to my wife, Margaret, um, knew that was going to happen when I came home, you know, tried, took a couple of years for me to fully get over the discernment thing and recognize that, you know, this is what's in front of me. This is what God is calling me to do. Um, so we get married. I had been working up until our marriage at the Buckeye Institute, which is a policy think tank downtown in the nonprofit space. Uh, ended up quitting my job right after we got married and going to work at the Jubilee Museum with Father Lutz and Sean Kenny uh, because I was much more passionate about sharing you know, sharing the faith. And, you know, if I'm going to be in the nonprofit space, then I want to be in a nonprofit that I really care about. So I did that for three years. And thankfully my wife was working as a, as a nurse and able to kind of support us, you know, as I was making very little money, you know, supporting a ministry. Um, go ahead. Let's, um, yeah, let's take a pause. There's, <laughs> there's a lot here, Sean. Um, uh, Devin, for you and me to reflect on, our, the guys that are listening to reflect on. But, um, you know, Pat, your your formation and your life, the intentionality that you pursued, your vocation, these are things I think we can all um, can benefit from. And uh, Devin, as you listen to uh, and learn more about Pat's childhood and then his discernment process around vocation, you know, what thoughts do you have and... and uh, how might we tie this a little bit to all of us as men that are out there listening and wanting to gain a lot from this journey that Pat has been on? It's, it's a beautiful journey. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I think that it's, it's great that you did go to, I mean, it wasn't seminary per se. You went to this religious community in your discerning religious life. I think that like we talk about this all the time amongst our men and, you know, these young families is that, it would be ideal if every every child, every young man, every young woman had the opportunity to just spend one year in discernment at a religious community of sorts. I mean, my first two daughters have done that, and but they both discerned that they were called to marriage. And what's so beautiful about it is kind of the same scenario. They find a man, you know, who is of God, you know, God. But that time in that preparation that you had definitely prepared you for the rest of your life. And I think that um, that's difficult for us who didn't have that opportunity. I remember just personally, just really struggling with the fact that after I had surrendered my life to Christ, I was, I was newly married, just wondering if I was really supposed to be called to be a priest. But I think that this is a great gift to you, Pat, because chances are, if you didn't have that, you may still be wondering if you were called to be a priest. And I think that God gave you that closure. And along with the closure, he's not outdone in generosity. You give him a little bit in those years of discernment. And he's given you, like you said, that formation, the Psalms, the love for the liturgy, and really making you the man that you are. So I find that that's beautiful. I, I, I wish that every one of us would have that opportunity. Yeah, I, I agree, Devin. I'm thinking of as we're listening to Pat's story, I think there's there's many takeaways that maybe we'll come back to in a few minutes. Um, men, for those of you that may just be joining us, uh, this is Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a program for Catholic men, by Catholic men, and 
My name's Matt Palmer uh, with the Diocese of Columbus, and uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. Uh, this is in cooperation, our program with St. Gabriel Radio. And uh, we're talking with Pat Foley, who lives here in Columbus, Ohio. And Pat has just shared a little bit about his uh, early years growing up in a, a large and strong Catholic family, and then discerning um, his vocation and finally realizing he was called to married life. He, uh, and so fell in love with Margaret, and uh, they have, uh, they're married. They have six children now, right? right? We do. Yeah. And that's wonderful. Um, Pat is uh, not yet 30, will be later this year. So young man, busy family. I want to transition, uh, Pat, a little bit to, um, to family life, but, but let's talk about work life. You know, now you're a provider. Um, share with our listeners uh, what, what you're doing now and the work that you do. Tell them about your business. And, uh, and then I want to talk a little more about where and how that business is thriving in, in conjunction with others, uh, other men. But talk about your business. Yeah, so I currently have a, a small remodeling and handyman business that transitioned to, after I left the Jubilee Museum, got into the remodeling world uh, around the time of COVID. So going on about three years now, I've been remodeling houses, mostly bathrooms. And I have two two brothers, actually a brother-in-law, and then my blood brother, Joseph, uh, working with me. And they you know, are kind of out on the job site day to day. I kind of bounce back and forth between the job site and in the office trying to grow the business. And we're working currently on just getting the, the business up and running systems. And we've been relying on word of mouth primarily through the last hour, you know, first three years. And now we're just like, okay, how do we take the next step and really establish this as a legitimate business? And so that's the current, you know, overview. And it's a process. It's been a, been a adventure and a journey every day with entrepreneurship and there no two days are alike. And, and that's a gift. My, my, my life has been I mean, a long journey, a lot going on. Um, so that's my primary business. And then I think Matt wants to talk about uh, a little side project I've been working on called the 4-8 Project, which is a co-working space that a buddy of mine started with me. Uh, and the vision is generally creating a space for Catholic men and women in the business world to grow in community and relationship and virtue and prayer you know, throughout their work work life because that's a big challenge right as an adult you don't have the you know the chance for those fortuitous interactions like you had at college where you're just hanging out every day making friends and you know build those relationships it just comes very naturally as a you know college student young adult but once you're married and have family have a family you don't have that time anymore you need to really be intentional about who you spend time with and how you grow in relationships and go and grow in friendships and more and more i've been convinced that you know, ultimately our work should be a source of friendship, you know, whether it's coworkers, employees, you know, customers or anyone else, the people we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis are our opportunity to grow in relationship and friendship. So I'd say that that's a big part of this idea behind this co-working space is creating a space where we can work together, where it's, whether it's freelancers, entrepreneurs, or remote workers can come together in a physical space, right? Because we've been so isolated since COVID with the remote work, the remote podcast, you know, the remote, remote meetings and having a space where we can gather, work together, take time to break bread together, eat lunch, or, you know, take a break and pray the Angelus or pray the Divine Mercy Chapel at three o'clock. So creating this space where we can work in community and also pray and also grow in virtue and, and whatnot. It's, it's been an incredible thing we've started 
about three or four months now, and we're just kind of getting into and playing with the different ideas that this could be. But it, it's definitely been a mission of, you know, hey, this is this is something that we have this idea. Let's see where it goes and just trust in God and his plan for who he's going to bring into it and who, you know, what what we can do with it. Man, I want you to picture, I was uh, at Pat's offices, uh, this this shared space uh, last week, and I was really struck. If you walk in, it's it's relatively humble space, but as you walk in, um, there's a, um, it, it's the, the space consists of a central room with some couches and comfortable chairs, some beautiful Catholic art, older Catholic art on the walls, a lot of books, wonderful Catholic books, classics. Um, and then, of course, surrounding that are some other space. There's a kitchen. There's some places where, obviously, the different business people, as they come in, they can office there. They're, you know, they've got some office-type arrangements set up as well. There's even a weight room kind of off to one side where men or women can, uh, you know, can, can lift and exercise. So they've created, a, a again, as, as Pat has shared, this shared space for independent business people for them to office there. They may be out doing their business life elsewhere, but in terms of their office and where they kind of spend parts of their day, they're coming together here in this shared space. And um, it struck me as um, as a wonderful opportunity to grow in virtue, in friendship. And, and Devin, you know, I'd love your thoughts. You work with so many men across the country, and I know business, you know, our life as, uh, as providers, um, there's a lot, a, a wide range. Some of us are in situations that are really conducive to our growth in virtue and faith. Some are not in very um, conducive environments. But talk a little bit about what you're hearing about what Pat is attempting to do with some others and how others of us can um, can benefit and, and uh, learn from what he's attempting to do. Well, yeah, I love what you're doing, Pat. I, but I, I think it's kind of like reverse engineering. You've got in the beginning, you know, the apostles are in the upper room, 120 of the women and the men, and, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, and it's the church to the world, you know, but now you're going from the world to the church kind of thing. You're reverse engineering it, like you're you're in a worldly setting, and you're bringing these people together through their work to bring them back really into community, which was what the whole uh, church was founded on in the very beginning. So I think that's wonderful um, and powerful. I also think that it's where this can really have um, legs is that men primarily, we, we know that one of our needs, our fundamental needs, is that we actually derive a huge part of our significance from our work. And I'm not saying that that's properly ordered or not. It's very instinctual. Um, however, what I mean by that is, is that men can spend 12 hours working alone and be totally satisfied, where women they're not really wired that way. They're wired for relationships. So what you're doing is is very unique in that you're taking a man where he's at. I mean, men and women, but really you get these men where they're at, where they, they're finding or deriving their significance in their work. However, you're drawing them back into friendship. And this is probably one of the primary problems in masculinity, in the church, in fatherhood, in today's setting is that men are isolated and we isolate ourselves. And one of the ways that we we isolate ourselves justifiably, we think, is with our work. And so what's so powerful about this is that you're bringing men right through that avenue of work, which they tend to find a lot of significance in, but then you're rooting them back in real friendship in Christ. And so I, I just love the reverse engineering. I love the way this work. I can see this being huge. I love the weight room. I mean, I would be in there. I think that's super cool. Um, I love the idea of praying 
with brothers, sisters from, you know, different businesses. So I just think it's super powerful and it could be like a nucleus, like for, like say, like we had the early church, this could be kind of like a model, if you will, for a new early church, ever ancient, ever new. Devin, great thoughts and great reflection on what Pat's doing. And we're down to just um, just three minutes, but Pat, respond to that. I, you know, I, I think that you must see that as the opportunity and um, what, what God has given you there to to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's actually, it's funny, my, my buddy Jason, who is my partner in this little initiative, has used that term, like a catacombs, a Catholic underground, that it's this, you know, off the beaten path, you know, kind of almost grunge, you know, atmosphere, but... But that's the idea. It's like, let's take our faith, let's bring it into, you know, our daily life and then be be in the workforce, you know, as laity, but create this sort of Catholic interconnected business community where we are actively trying to live our faith in our day-to-day life and in the ordinary workaday world. So that's that's definitely what we're trying to do. So I think of um I think of Opus Dei and uh, St. Jose Maria Scriva is a, a, a particular saint that I so love and admire and um talk to often. And, you know, he talked about um, pursuing sanctity and holiness in ordinary life, in our ordinary um, daily living, including in our work life. And I find much of what you're doing would resonate with um, with Opus Dei, that prelature. I, I assume there's some connection there, perhaps. Yeah. Ironically, we just, I went to my first uh, Opus Dei retreat this past weekend. So <laughs> good for you. <laughs> just, just discovering that, that ministry and that mission. So it's, it's been a gift and definitely that sanctification of the work through the everyday. And that, that's our role as men, right? Is we are called to work. Our, our wives, you know, often have work and vocation, but, you know, their primary role in the family is to raise the children. We are called to go out and provide for them. So that is our sanctification is through, through the work we do. So finding ways to do that in a way that not only provides for our family, but provides for neighbor, you know, and that spirit of service is, is such a gift. And we're, we're very blessed to be able to do that through the business I have and through this, this concept of the 4A project. Devin, uh, we've got about 30, 40 seconds. I'd love for you to, um, first of all, Pat, thank you so much. It's just a, a gift to have you here. And I'm just grateful for what the Lord's done in your life and how you've responded and <clears throat> you're having an impact. And I think that's, that's, uh, a beautiful thing for a young man to be having an impact even beyond his family. But Devin, in, you know, just in a few seconds, one or two things that we as other men could pull out of Pat's life that you would encourage us to pursue here. Prayer, Prayer is the key to everything. I mean, the man was, Pat, you were, your life is founded on prayer. It's founded on the liturgy and that's where God has spoken to you. He's directed you and he's, allowed you to have this life that is worth living. So I think that for each and every one of us, if we're praying, we're going to experience God's power in our lives to where we actually make a difference. If we're not praying, we're just going to be like the world. It's a great, great way to close. Men, thanks for joining us uh, for this episode of Iron Sharpens Iron. Have a great day. God bless. Let's pursue our Lord with passion. God bless. God bless.